0: Nice. It's a vibe.
1: Good morning, everyone. What is going on? We are back again with episode 76 of the South Florida Gamers Podcast. I am your host, Silverback Senpai, and across the table from me is none other than my co-host, Waluigi.
0: Good morning, folks. Long time no see. Wow, it's been six days. Actually, I take that back. How's it going? <laughs>
1: Absolutely good. AJ could not be here with us, unfortunately, but we have our guest, none other than
2: Sabrick. Hi guys, welcome this is my welcome to myself. This is my first time on a <laughs> podcast, as you can tell. No worries, no, we're, no, no. You're good. we're happy You're good. to have you. Really happy oh, yeah. to be
1: here. Absolutely. This episode of the podcast is going to be available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, whatever, just Google South Florida Gamers Podcast. We are we're everywhere. So, that's great and of course video playback will be available on YouTube and Facebook later on throughout the week. So, We're going to get right into it. Um, Our guest, Sabrick. Now, here on the podcast, we always want to know everyone's gaming origin story. Like, what got you into gaming? I also know that you also have some stuff that you want to talk about in regards to the Smash community. So, let's um, start off with just, like, your gaming background. So,
2: that way people can know who is Sabrick. So, the floor is yours. No, thank you. Um, So, I've been... Playing video games since I was like one and a half, nice. which for reference, I'm gonna be 34 in July. Oh wow, that's awesome! So it's you know it's been a while. It's been a good time. Um, I, I was basically I have two older brothers, uh, you know, uh, four and five years each apart. So I grew up where they were playing on uh, Nintendo, Super Nintendo. Which by the way, oh you, why? this controller means a lot to me. Oh, it's got sad. like a Super Nintendo aesthetic to it. Oh wow, that's I can sick. Supply a link for that later for anyone interested in that vibe. But um yeah, so Super Nintendo is just like one of my like near and dear systems. Like I had a Sega Genesis 2 and everything, but I connected a lot more and replayed a lot more of the games on Super Nintendo, I'd say than everything else. Um in terms of competitive start and career and history, uh I started competing in high school. So this was 2005 so mm-hmm. we're, nice. we're just drawing on 18 years if my competitive career was a kid i could kick it out of my house at this point like um it's been a long wild ride for sure uh i started in melee mm. and i competed in that and all people think of me more as a brawl vet which is 100 percent accurate because that's where i definitely excelled but i was playing competitively melee for three years Uh, Before Brawl ever came out. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, uh, because Brawl came out in 2008. I played uh, Kirby when that came out for about six months or so. And then I transitioned over to King Dedede and Meta Knight and the rest is history there. Oh, wow. Um, I actually, my big stride for Brawl was around 2000. Mid late two thousand eight till about two thousand twelve, I was basically the best player in brawl in the southeast of America. Damn, that's a title. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was kind of crazy. Uh, I don't like this. Isn't like a, a gloat, but this is at least my my high point. I would say my, my right side in my career, where I could go to any tournament in the southeast of America, and short of other top players or Meta Knights from Atlantic North, if they joined it too, that might be more of a problem. But like, if it was just an isolated area of the Atlantic South, I was getting first or second. Oh my. So, um, Meta Knight helped a lot with that. Consistency, uh, that's for sure. And uh, coming into a game like Ultimate really like kind of shines that a lot, given how balanced this game is compared to Brawl. And I... I definitely appreciated it while I had it, but I I don't think I really knew how good I had having everything a character could possibly have. Right. While other characters didn't have anything close to that. Right. Whereas in this game, there are a lot of broken characters, but most, the the scale and the median isn't as wide, I would say, or at least there aren't as many many jumps. Okay.
1: All right. Yeah, Yeah. I do want to ask this um, question because I remember, I don't know if you guys remember it on Twitter. There was um, from Start GG they made like a tier list of all the Smash characters from your highest to your lowest.
2: Did you remember that one? Like, like.
0: Making me look at it stuff now.
2: Like, are we talking about like a, oh, like the uh, official one, like the official official one that came out like maybe like a month ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where like, I think Cloud was number 10 on it. And it was like Steve, Aegis, Joker for top three. Yeah.
0: First ever SSBU list.
2: Like the official start GG. Yep, that's the one. I don't know if you can put that on the screen at all or anything. Exactly. Okay.
0: But just from the sum of it, like the lowest rank is like Little Mac, Annendorf, Isabel, King K. Rool. Then you have...
2: I mean, well, there is there is certainly a big disparity between the top of S to the like bottom Euro. of D, but there's 80-something characters, and I yeah. would say, like, in Brawl, you could probably say that everything below A was obsolete. Like, mm-hmm. you just weren't going to do anything unless you were the best rep of that character, and you getting a good win on someone above you was, like, your highlight. You weren't planning to win the national.
0: Wow. That is impressive.
2: So um yeah no we've come a long way patches help a lot um definitely yeah uh so there's a lot of and then there's also like th- these are stats and stats are important and that's Right. Great. but i actually just finished watching mudace's video mm-hmm. uh he put out an hour long of like why you're bad at smash basically right <laughs> but but it but it was it, it actually turned long well, it took because it turned into a tier list oh And it wasn't a tier list in the sense of, like, ordering characters based on, like, just simply, like, character strengths. Because this whole argument started from just, like, oh, Palu compared to Incineroar. As a a character, Palu just has everything more than Incineroar can ask for. Yeah. But in tournament, and that's where, like, this different conversation happens, where on paper, like, that's where this tier list of, like, Palu can be, like, top ten in anyone's list. Yeah, but then she's not winning like majors. Like she's not like th- yeah. there's a, a lack of consistency, and like there's got to be something to kind of explain for that a little bit. Yes, and uh, then you have characters like Incineroar that they're not consistently getting top three, but they can crack and get really high highs sometimes. Oh. <laughs> and his whole like summary just right there is like there's a tier list, but then there's like a how realistic is it to win with a certain character in a tournament setting. And those are sometimes different answers, and I don't think that's like limited to Smash, um, but there's there's definitely a lot of differences, and it's going to be helping me consider who I'm picking up as secondaries coming up soon.
1: Ooh. Oh, okay. So with your history with Smash and whatnot, and going through um, all of the you know previous titles, obviously of course you started you know with Smash 64 or Melee was your first.
2: Melee was my first. Okay. Oh, Melee, Melee was, my, was first. my first that I played in any serious sense. I played 64 because I'm old enough to when it came out. Right. <laughs> um, I, I was playing 64 with like my friends that were just casual gamers. Yeah. Um, and I had one friend that was more serious that I started playing with when Melee was out. You may know him, Nick Riddle. Yeah. So a uh, fun fact for anyone that may not know or anything about the South Florida scene, but... Uh, Nick Riddle and I have known each other since the literal first grade. Like we, we Ooh, sat next to each other in first grade on wow. the first day of class. And I don't know how different my life would be if that didn't happen. Cause like me, him and Esam basically got into smash, uh, together in 2005. Wow. Like we, we just got hooked on it playing each other. And then, um, That's pretty cool. and then I went on YouTube when that first came out because I'm old enough to. Say that, I guess. And uh, I was, like, searching. I was, like, oh, man, like, I want to beat my friend. You know, like, yeah. he's really good. Let me search up, like, characters, people that play my character or whatever. And I found, like, combo videos uh, doing things that I never thought were even possible in the game, like wave shining and, and wave dashing. And, like, that's how I, like, found the depth of the game, I guess. Oh, yeah. And then in, in, in the descriptions of... Uh, one of those videos was smashboards.com like hey if you like this come check out smashboards and there are tournaments for this game and like that's lit and then there was one like 45 minutes away from me called sax smash at a comic store smash at a comic store that's uh the infamous funny. like genre of tournament where you're just like 100 people stacked in a small Venue On AC location Uh, No one knows What that's like though That sounds Unfamiliar territory Completely Um, But yeah uh, And then Yeah That was That was a a good time I got 17th Out of 50 something people At my first tournament Wow I I mean uh, uh, When I was finally Starting to compete I used Sheik I started with Mario And then Peach And then Sheik And that was like My progression Until I started competing Like just In that like Inner Best of my block phase
1: so with the melee, so with Smash Melee, what I wanted to know is, um, what are some of the things like if someone wants to get into melee? Obviously, of course, Melee has gotten you know a lot of years behind it, and it's um, you know relatively an old game. But when it comes to just Smash, usually the people always talk about melee and ultimate. It's never f- Smash Four because I think some people, I think it was, um, I, I mean, I can tell you why. I think it was um, Choco talking when I had him on when um, when he said that. A lot, you know. Smash Four was, you know, okay. It was good, but Ultimate perfected what Smash Four yep. was. So, not a lot of people, you know, typically go They're, back to so, Four, but they'll stick to Melee and Ultimate. Yeah. So,
2: so I think what it comes down to, and there are hmm. diehard fans for every game. So, like, mm-hmm. there's still a Brawl scene. There's still a Smash Sixty Four scene. There's still, for some reason, a Smash Four scene to a tiny degree. That is impressive. Like, like at these big majors like SmashCon, like, they'll have side yeah. brackets that get, like, 50-something people that just oh. sign up on a whim to, to have fun with it, right? Now, when you think about your life, you know, there's only so much time that you have, and you right. want to make sure you're investing it wisely, and that's where, like, the value of the games come into play, and the value of Melee, besides being the, the story, sorry,
0: you're fine, you're fine. besides
2: being, like, the whole storyline of being a part of this, like... Giant heritage of a of a of a gaming scene
1: mm-hmm.
2: is like oh well do you like like really fast action like are you like really like set on like not just hitting a bunch of buttons but like literally seeing things happen in like super like playing melee compared to ultimate ultimate's pretty fast especially compared to brawl and smash four yeah, yeah. but like still melee is like playing special ultimate with like the bunny hood like it's just, yes. you know it was the bunny hat like it's everything is faster so it's just like that's <laughs> what that offers. And it's like a super smooth game. Once you master some of the clunky mechanics, then it becomes super smooth and buttery. And then Ultimate is just buttery out of the gate, yeah. basically. And to Chaco's point, like it really. It, the reason why Smash is not here is because Ultimate does it better. Ultimate yeah. does Smash 4 better. The reason why Brawl is not here is because Tripping. Tripping? That, tripping? That's, that's it. That, to, to me, Tripping killed Brawl where oh. tripping is the chance where when you walk or dash, I, I think it's when you... I, I have to go back. I think walking either doesn't have a chance of tripping or has a lower chance of tripping. I'm not 100% sure. But if you dashed 100%, there's a chance to trip where you get stuck in, like, an idle animation. You have a very slight... It's weird. I don't know why know. you're this gonna is make put into Google the game. Right now. I don't know why this is put into the game other than to, like mess with the competitive integrity of the game right. without there being a setting to turn it off at least put a setting to turn it off something but you get like a small instance of like invulnerability like you would like if you fell on the ground and you were teching yeah. but you get put into a situation where now you have to tech and you have to like you fall and then you have to roll one way or another or get up Savric there's a
0: 1% chance of it happening
2: Yeah Wait what Oh yeah. Yeah, I'll, I don't know what the odds only, are, but I buy that. Whatever it is.
0: There's a 1.5% chance that they will yeah. trip.
2: Yep. And so what happened... That is weird. This is a game where, uh, you know... Everyone doesn't kill you off of nothing. So it's not usually the biggest deal but it's the same reason we take off items right? yeah. we don't yeah. want you to go for your game-winning blow when a bomb falls in front of you and now you're dying like yeah, like you w- wouldn't like we want to minimize that randomness yeah. so why on earth would i want to go fly across the country to then trip in front of an ice climbers and get infinited like that like most of the characters won't be able to kill me but like that has literally happened at a, ma- a national before. That is pain. Oof. Just think about that. Yeah. That 1% it happens to you publicly in a major. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it cause it's 1%, but that's not a 1% chance of it happening in a course of a set. That's a 1% chance of happening on every dash. So you tripped like it, it happened like you in a set, you, someone was tripping in that set. And so like, that was one of the reasons Mennonite was so good. is because a lot of his game was in the air, so that yeah, that is true. Can't trip as much. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh yeah, Noble just said uh, we're talking about smash tripping. 1.5 percent chance, but you dash constantly. Mm-hmm. It's more common than you'd think. Yeah, absolutely. Damn, that 1 percent increases over
2: time. That's t- that's terrifying. Just thinking about it. Yeah. Then moves also cause tripping. Some of them. What? Yeah, like Mennonite's down tilt had a 33.33 percent chance of making you trip into some other follow up that he had. What? Yeah. But like, tripping still exists in this game with certain moves. Like, certain, like, like Donkey Kong does a down tilt and he can force a trip. Like, there are, that that element is like still there, but it's not random across the cast. Yeah. It's it's now attentional. Yeah. Yeah. So there is still a diehard Brawl. Brawl to me is probably the most fun Smash game next to Ultimate or tied with Ultimate. Like, as far as fun goes, my enjoyment of it, I'm very cerebral, not to like, be smart sounding or like anything like that. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I the aspect that I enjoy the most about Smash is the psychology behind it. I have a bachelor's in psychology, and mm-hmm. while I was getting my degree, sick, I was literally enjoying class because I was like, oh, I do that in Smash. Oh, I do that. And like, I was making all <laughs> of these connections and not having to study. Like, it was great. And um, so, like, brawl. Like, there's not a lot of um, uh, guaranteed stuff. Uh, a lot of the value that you get in your advantage comes from trapping and retrapping and trapping and retrapping and like like reading them in every ounce of every advantage state there wasn't like there was like no hits done basically mm-hmm. so like you could get oh. hit and then immediately air dodge oh immediately and and you had as many. I think you had unlimited air dodges in that game. So you could just air dodge, air dodge, like you could just like weave around, like sounds so awesome. it had like no landing lag if you if you landed with an air dodge in the middle of the animation, like you would have almost no landing lag. So it was just like Oh wow. Like I never really yeah. processed this. It was a very defensive, emphasized game, but it led to the cool clips that you get being like, Oh dude, you read that guy eight times in a row. Like that feels cool. Yes. Yeah. Painful but cool. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I can, even for, even for me, like, I would try, I, like, for me, I try to understand Smash, and just, like, there are times where it's, like, I don't get this game. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I, I th- I'm thinking that, okay, I'm, you know, understanding it. Like, diff- all the characters in the game, they work differently. You would think that. Same as Street Fighter. That, yeah. True.
2: The difference is, to me, not to cut you off. I agree. The difference is there's a insurmountable more insurmountably more amount of freedom in what you're able to do in any given frame of Smash compared to Street Fighter. Right. Yeah. And that's not a good or a bad thing. It's just that's the difference. Like I I look forward to Street Fighter six coming out and I'm gonna give it an honest run. I'm gonna come here and try to enter a couple tournaments for it. You heard it here first. Yes. Um, <laughs> so like I look forward to that limited aspect. I think I will thrive in that environment. To be honest, uh, but that's one of the main reasons why I'm so hooked on Smash. Is like there's just so many different answers to the numbers of puzzles that are presented to you. There's yeah. usually no. It's like Reeses. Like there's no one way to solve a problem.
1: Yeah. Basically. Yeah, because um, Smash is more of a. It's a platform fighter. Granted. It, in the EFGC, everyone said, like, Smash is not a fighting game. I consider it a fighting game, Well, mo- but I also consider it more so a platform fighting game because the well, fact that's that— That's the literal definition, yeah, I would say. Yeah, because you have— you it's have the more neut- aerial-based. Yeah, it's, it's very, you know, aerial, more aerial-based. You also have the neutral aspect, which, you know, you could
2: just play completely neutral or— Dude, Chunky Kong does not leave the ground. He plays, and the reason why he wins, he plays Smash Brothers like Street Fighter Top 8 Evo. Like he, you, know, you, ever go to, you ever go to Evo or CEO and you sit in the Top 8s of, of any of the f- traditional fighting games? Obviously yeah. you have. And, yeah. and you just see there's a different level of, of play happening yeah. from the Top 8 when they are meeting each other mm-hmm. to the rest of the bracket. Even right before Top 8, the Top yeah. 8 level players beating the other players. There is a, a certain level of, oh, you can clearly see that this player is less patient and they're just making mistakes. Yeah. And then yeah. as soon as they get against each other, they're like two stonewall pillars inching back and forth like this, not wanting to make the first punch. Yeah. Yeah. The only game I've seen that exception
0: was Guilty Gear Strive. That's Buttons a whole, galore.
2: That's a whole All, well, also Marvel versus Capcom that's, 3. That's Infinite. too. That's a whole different. Buttons galore. <laughs> Yeah, but back, but, but
1: um, when I look at Smash and I just look at like the neutral aspect or whatnot, especially here when I see some of the players I'm playing, like I can know like who has the advantage and who doesn't have the advantage. Like if you're keep, constantly keep jumping around, you keep getting clip, 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 clip up in the air, which I'm like, dude, play neutral. Like stop, Play, like stop jumping. because yeah. you are not gonna, you're not winning. So, so the
2: same thing I said about how the game is more freeing. The game has more freedom. It's also a bait. Yeah, it, it's like the illusion of choice. Yeah, where like yeah, you can do all these things. Doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Like it doesn't mean it's the optimal thing to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think um one player in particular um shout out to Nitty, Nitty uses Bayo and God, like yeah. Anytime someone, that I see a player play up against Nitty, and they're up in the air, now, I'm like, stop jumping. Nitty keeps catching you. Stop jumping. Play neutral. You'll get. You'll get Nitty if you just play neutral. Just stay to the ground.
2: Well, okay. You you won't get him by just playing neutral, but you'll at least have the chance. Yeah. Right? Like you, yeah. You, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. At least then you're playing the game. Yeah.
2: Because it's like. I see so often, I'm just like, stop jumping. Because people jumping. are too concerned about playing their game and yeah. not concerned enough about the opponent's game.
1: Yeah. I'm just like, stop doing this. Stop doing this. You, 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 you. Nope, nope, nope. I,
2: I
0: watch granted,
1: I, I, granted, I don't play Smash, and I don't know more of the game, but it's just like, just like fighting game like knowledge. It's just like the basics. Yeah, the like if you're not good at, you know, countering people while they're in the air or whatnot, then stay to the ground. Stay yeah. to the ground. Try to have them meet you on your expectations. Although- so, so
2: one of the problems that a lot of people suffer from is um, they get hit and they internalize that as the thing that I tried to do, I didn't do good enough. Yeah. yeah. I mis not I made a shitty decision. Sorry. I made a bad decision. No, you can curse. Okay. Uh, like you know, like they they, they, they they point to the the button aspect or the, the how it played out rather than well maybe I shouldn't have been in this area to begin with. Yeah. You know, like maybe there needs to be a reapproach to even where I'm looking for my hits. And and a big, big issue is just people are too focused on their reward system. And and what they need to land. I mean, I'm not perfect, so it's not yeah. like I'm like, I, I fish all the time because that's just yeah. part of what my character does. Yeah. But every character to a degree is fishing for whatever their character does. So a lot of, I, I had this idea where I want to go around to like different like dojos, like martial arts dojos mm-hmm. and interview the black belts. <laughs> and like, I have like a running series of this, but one of the questions I would want to ask them is like, What's what would if you're teaching someone what is harder to you teaching someone how to punch or teaching someone how to not punch like knowing how to hold your punch and then really wait out a situation and not be trying to always make the move is going to like really 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 open a world of possibilities up to you because when you're in your bracket like yeah your punish game is important but like your ability to just see what's in front of you and not be dumb is like very important like the ability to just like you were saying like stay grounded in the face of like the things that your opponent can do to beat you up in the air yeah like bayonetta aside like that's still just generally good because then if you're committed to staying grounded and your opponent is just in their mind trying to do their thing they're probably not staying grounded and now yeah. you're just going to see things that are more easy to hit. Mm-hmm. And so when you're talking about trying to get through the course of a bracket consistently over four or five brackets, you know, you always want to get past those. You want to stop being one, one, two, 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 three, two player. Like you have to stop playing your character's game to do that. That cannot be your layer one. All right. That's my TED talk. <laughs>
1: Thank
0: you. I'm sure we're going to have more.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I like that though. Would you agree with that when it comes to like um, playing defense, it's also um, very crucial and important important that you play defense in a way of you're not like defending the hits, but more so you're evading. A, you're evading a lot better. You're knowing when to hit instead of always trying to keep going for a hit.
2: There's there's two things to that. So there's. Um, there's playing defensive in the sense that you are constantly receding space and letting them play into you. Mm-hmm. And then you're playing more of like a whiff punish game. Right. And and, and that's really, really strong. But then that loses to them just kind of walking forward a little bit. Right. If they read into you just pulling back and they just walk forward and not throw out something, like, now you're just losing stage. Right. Like you're cornering yourself slowly. Yeah. So there's like a little bit of like, Hot cold that you have to keep people on their toes there for, and then there's a way of doing that in advantage where um, a big part of being able to consistently, regardless of character or matchups, extend advantage is you put them in you hit them, and then let's say you hit them horizontally and they get sent to the side, So many people then try to jump out there and continue their thing with whatever, yeah, whether, whether it's for a kill or just their next hit. But then, if I jump in for my next hit, but then they also jumped in at the same time, well, now it just reversed, right? Like that, yeah. now I'm off stage. Yeah. So, a much more consistent uh, strategy is actually to strictly focus on what is, I just hit them. They're in hit stun for 1.2 seconds, whatever. If once they run out of their hit stun and they can make a choice, whatever their forward option burst, Mm -hmm. toward me out of that spot is I want to cover that first. And if I cover that first and they do it, I get my hit. And if they don't do that, that means they're still there. But then I can just still keep waiting and holding the ground until they do that burst. And so you're going to be able to get a lot more small hits and repeated hits over time hitting them in that way but then that next hit do this again like don't don't just change the strategy and oh, say, yeah. now dive in oh, like yeah. you can consider i i actually keep people on the ledge sometimes for 80 percent of the time just yeah From stray like oh catching them here catching them here catching them here like just them trying to get out of that spot
1: yeah and when it comes to like your play style what, what i've also noticed is that yeah you usually always stay at the ledge because I, I would say, for like for you, that would be like your most advantage um, option because you have options on whether or not are they gonna you know roll in when they're on, when they're on ledge. Are they gonna jump over? They're limited. Yeah. Yeah. So just like you're you're covering their options and you're trying to bait and see which one you're going to get, and it's kind of like um like a rock paper scissors moment, like which one you're going to uh, do. The
2: RPS. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna push back a little bit on. That okay. Moment. Go for it. Yeah, okay. Because because RPS is like we're meeting and confronting at this pivotal point on the stage, at this point, in t- like space and time, we're meeting together, and one of us is going to be right one of us is going to be wrong. Yeah. To me, that's RPS. What I'm saying is I'm trying to remove the RPS. Oh, mm. so you're just giving
0: yourself option selecting. As right. In, like you have one or three things to do. So you – basically,
2: you – this is the stage. I don't know if you can see it. Whatever. Yeah. This is the stage. Yes. And then you've hit them from center stage to the corner. Yes. And then now that they're in this corner, they can either – Fall and grab ledge, which is generally going to be the safest option. But because it's the safest, doesn't mean that's what they're going to do. You you don't want to just dive in and start covering Uh, that situation. You're going to hold your ground here and say, well, they could fall and grab the ledge, but they could also double jump forward with something. So I'm going to hold my ground here. And, oh, yeah, they did double jump forward. Let me forward air them or, or up B them or whatever my thing is that I want to hit them with yeah. for free now that I'm reacting to them yeah.
0: diving it's into Just me. knocking them down is the opportune moments.
2: Now, it's not rock, paper, scissors because the other options that aren't that don't make them hit me. The other options are they didn't do that burst which means they're still in the corner. Yeah. So I'm just going to sumo wrestle hold my ground space right in that spot and repeat the process until they... Somehow, hard mix me up. Like they have to work harder because I'm committing to trapping their escapes, and it's less of a mix-up when you when you focus exclusively on not letting them out of those spaces.
1: Ooh. Yeah, that that, that makes a, yeah that makes a lot more that's sense.
2: terrifying for some people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when when you open the door to rock paper scissors, that's opening the door to Pandora's box and trades and reversals and things not working out in your favor. There are times and places. There's necessary. You know, evils, there are times where there are scrambles and you're next to each other and you have to make a guess. But when you can afford not to make a guess, that's what makes advantage state. Advantage state is you are in advantage for a re... Like, that's what the value, that's what the real value is. The real value isn't that I can get my combo, the real value is I can keep you pinned and make you suffer trying to get out of this position. And then just go for the kill afterwards. If it comes, ideally. But, like, you could use the same principle to eventually lock down the kill. Okay. Like, oh, they finally rolled in because they're, they're like, so frustrated with me locking them down so much. That would be an easy turnaround up smash. Okay. But you can't get that easy turnaround up smash if you're busy fighting the rock, paper, scissors on the ledge.
1: Makes sense. And now I completely understand that.
2: It's
0: the OS that gives nobody an option. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's the best way to
2: explain it.
1: Makes me wonder. Um, if Smash were to get one more update...
2: Like not a port, but like this game getting a patch.
1: Yeah, like like character balance patches, like a character balance patch. Like, what would be some things that you would like to see change in certain characters? Should certain characters
2: get nerfed? Should certain characters get buffed? Should there be a new character? I'm gonna start with the easiest ones. Okay. Steve's bug needs to get hot fixed out. Okay. Like the the the, the state that he can put himself in to negate hits done. Oh. it, it he, he got banned in a lot of regions. South Florida is the only place in Florida where he's legal right now, and it's only for this quarter. Wow. So, yeah, some glitch came out, basically, like, two months ago, where, and it's not even hard to do, not that hard to do, where, like, if he's doing an animation, like, if he's attacking, and then in that attack animation, he starts holding B. Not hard. Okay. Uh, And then he gets hit. While that state is happening, he can not feel the hit stun that he's supposed to feel and then hit you back. So it's like a super armor. Kind of. Okay. And then if you don't hit him, who cares? Like, that's the risk. Like, okay, you didn't hit me. Um, so on top of all the other dumb stuff that he has, generally, that was mm. just like... The most egregious one. So that needs to get hotfixed out. Yeah. Um, I would drastically tone down some of his output. Like in terms of diamonds, kill power. Yeah, I want it to be rewarding because it's not easy to get. Right, but it shouldn't be stronger than like stitch faces. Like it feels stronger than like it feels like every attack is a stitch face. Like I think that's a little overkill. Because stitch face is chance based at mm-hmm. least, and it's, it's that's why it's dumb. It's chance based. But like diamond isn't chance based. It's it's skill. It's just yeah. like they camped you long enough. They threw you away and focused on mining and they got a diamond every stop. Like it's going to happen. So I think that needs to get toned down. And if I could like pick anything else about him to nerf that, I don't think it would kill the character, but it would remove a lot. It's one simple change that would remove a lot of his craziness. Yeah. Would be to take away his forward air spike. I know that seems like obscure,
0: yeah, but what's the so, uh, forward air spike again, if I may ask?
2: It's just he just oh. forward airs like this, and it's yeah, a spike. I just want everyone to do it emotion. motion. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know it's <laughs> it's, a, it's super simple, it's super straightforward. But it like if you look at all of his like really deadly combos, like they all come from like down throw, forward air, jab, jab, forward air, jab, grab, up tilt. like all of his extensions rely on that forward air, and then that all, that forward air is also the reason why matchups are so crap. It's not because he can block people's recoveries. It's because he can hit people with either jab or grab into these forward airs off stage into the block situation. All of his nastiness comes from that forward air, and he'd still be a good character. He just wouldn't be able to zero to eighty or death you. Right. He'd still have the up tilt, block up tilt, block up smash. Like have all that stuff. That's that's cool. It's cool to me. But he shouldn't be able to make a pattern with you and then take you up because he can forward air you back in to extend the combos.
0: The amount of videos I saw on TikTok of Steve terrify me, but it's the most entertaining.
2: Yeah. No, he's fun to watch, and I don't want to mess with his tools. Like, I don't, be I don't want to, to mess with his <laughs> materials. Yeah. I don't want to mess with his iron, his minecart. Like, all that stuff is really godlike. He could still be S-tier. Yeah. But he shouldn't have, like, these things that just, like, let him, like, solitaire you to death. Right. That would be the biggest things that I would change for, for Steve. Um, Kazuya, I don't know what you do with Kazuya. He's attacking player,
0: man.
1: I mean, if you're good with Shoto players and you know like all of Kazuya's like, movesets, not
2: just like... And you happen to play box and it's just like you can use it yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, it's a, a very simple transition. It's what they call a gimme character. <laughs> because I believe...
1: Kazuya has, like, a lot of moves. And
2: Ryu and Ken can do the same, similar inputs. No, but the difference is that uh, 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 Kazuya comes equipped with a ton of them being invincible. Oh, shit, I didn't realize they were invincible. Most of them, if not all of them, have some form of invincibility. Most of them. His up air, did you know that? His up air is just invincible. Like, he just kicks up, that whole leg, invincible. It's not like a disjoint. It's just, you can't win against it. Yeah. That hurt box be hurting everybody. So I would try to either, like, probably take away some of his invincibility on some of his stuff or lessen it so it's not as much. I don't really know how you fix him that much without ruining him. I think whatever you do, it might ruin him anyways. But if I'm here for it, I would I would agree to. <laughs> he, he's my most... I hate him more than Steve, personally. Damn. Like, with everything involved, I hate him more than Steve. For... I don't really think anyone else needs to be nerfed,
1: like... Everyone else is like pretty much solid. Or like I'm
2: really trying to think. Like no one feels egregious to me. Um Do certain characters need buffs? And I me mean, brawler does. I think. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> wow. I don't, know, I don't know who else is a me brawler, but I think they felt that. Right? Well, that's my main. Oh shit. I'm the, the You brawler. too. <laughs> um. But yeah. No. Uh. Buffs. Yeah. Uh. I. W- yeah. Okay. If I could have anything, and this is very selfish of me. Go on. It would be Meta Knight, and it would be. It's not even like I need his old moveset back as much because I play him and I feel like certain muscle memory where he just feels like I connect with him. But it would be like his range. He's too stubby for being a swordsman. Yeah. Um, And if he had the same range that he had in Brawl or at least closer to it, like he would actually be able to contend with some of those stupid hitboxes and punish games in this game. Mm. Uh, and, and be deadly. Because then all of his combos would work better. Everything would work better. He'd be way more consistent and deadly. And w- he would work in neutral way more consistently. Uh, I do miss his old tornado. I do miss his old shuttle loop. But I do kind of like the new one too. So it's like, that's okay. Okay. I love the dimensional cape in this game. It's the best it's ever been. The down B. Mm-hmm. It's fucking... Sorry. It, like, it kills. And if you don't do the attack... It's safe. Like, he comes out, he can just come out and run. Like, he's fine. So he's a lot of fun. But he's, like, very, very, very extra mid for for no reason. Gotcha, gotcha. Solid,
1: solid. Yeah. I would say for some characters in Smash Ultimate, because some people, you know, everyone wants to play, you know, one of their favorite characters, you know, fine, I get that. And then, of course, they'll be like, oh, great, this character sucks, whatnot, and I'm just like... You're saying the character sucks, or is the fact that you suck because you have not put in a lot of time to grind out matches to play against people of? um Yeah, no, I mean, like different, like Ooh, play.
0: I like where this is going.
1: Like you don't take the time to play different people, or at least you know get some friendlies in to you know you know try, experiment and try new things because. If you're not playing competitively, but you you know you want to get a, a good couple of games with someone, then play someone you're you're not used to playing. Play a new face, so that way you can new challenges, yeah. Open so that, up
2: new pathways.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: To sum it up, you're basically saying that you should sharpen up the player's quality of the skill, and not and not just talk about the quality of the character. Yeah, because because some like heavy hitters play like low tier characters, like Little Mac, for instance. Yeah,
1: because I what I notice is you know. Almost every Saturday, is that you know certain p- players they'll play against people that they already know they've they're, they're
2: comfortable playing against?
1: They'll play friendlies with oh, the friendlies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll play friendlies with oh, the no, same the, the, people. The worst,
2: no, the worst is when people go to majors and they do that. I yell at them. Ah, yes, I don't mind you playing with your buddies in your hotel room because you're just vibing, but yeah. when you're on the floor and then you pull your oh person you flew with or carpooled with to play friendlies, when those are 90 or a hundred hundred other people there to so to, to play you know
1: yeah like take that opportunity to play against like new faces whatnot so that way you
2: I, I was at, i was at ceo last year and i it wasn't someone specifically great at the game but it was a new face yeah and we sat down and we played for like four hours like we just grinded out that matchup and like i learned so much about game and watch yeah like it was very helpful oh that's always fun like I sat down
0: random people just sat down I'm like wow I've never had this experience before yeah and like win or losing I took every match seriously and I wanted to learn from other people yeah it's always a fun experience like that's what you're there
2: for to me of yeah. course you're, you're, you're not sharpening. the one winning you're the one learning or you should be yeah. yeah
1: you should like you know take the opportunity to you know learn you know Get your worth yeah to, yeah, to you know learn the game learn your character
0: yeah I remember you said this last year you don't lose you learn
1: yeah it's just some people just take losing, you know, very hard. But which I can understand. Like, oh, yeah. you can have that really, really, really close game, and then you just did not, you know, clutch it out or you know, finish it off at the very end. And after that, the other person end up getting the game winning hit, and you're just like, yeah, you're destroyed. Like that part, I I completely understand. Like, yeah, you played your absolute best, and I'm not gonna fault you for that. But, the, you know, but then you just- that
2: gets balanced with think about all the times that you played your. Mid or your absolute best, and your opponent play their absolute best, but you got the gimp. Like, it, like over time, like these things, like they sway both ways. Like, yeah, the pendulum goes both ways. Oh yeah,
1: definitely. It's just the players who just they don't take the time to learn. They're constantly making mistakes, and you know they're throwing a fit or they're being upset about. It. I'm just like, take a breather. Yeah. Go outside, take a a deep breath. Just
0: register what happened and just move forward. This is going to be a shameless
2: plug, but I do believe there's a lot of value in uh, not just coaching, but if you think about it, like the game and how to get better at the game aside, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of value, I think, in like competitive therapy like competitive gaming mentality competitive yeah therapy wow like know, competitive gaming therapy you know like you know Ooh. what i mean like like well it could be for sports too. sports psychology like that's yeah. a whole industry yeah and i'm sure esports psychology is probably a budding whole industry ripping off a lot of the same concepts like there's so many parallels between the probably. two probably that like you could probably just if, if you look up sports psychologists or therapists you could as an esports player go make an appointment with that person and they'd be able to help you out just as much as they'd be able to help out an MBA star. Maybe, you know, nice. find one with a reasonable rate. But th- th- those are real things that right. I, like, I, I don't think people consider.
0: No, that existed actually until recently. I know about general therapy, which I usually do once every while.
2: Yeah. yeah. Damn. But it's, I mean, it's similar, right? Like, what are your struggles? Tell me what you're, you know dealing with what are you losing to what feelings are you going over like why do you feel those ways why what are your goals why are these feelings coming up to impede on those goals like there there there's so much like i never wanted like i I told you i got my bachelor's in psychology but i Mm -hmm. had no intention of like doing therapy like i didn't have any i didn't even have any intention of really like doing studies although i might if i can do smash studies or like esports studies that'd be cool but like, hey, that anything, could be, hey, that could be a new hustle for yeah. for this. For, for anything substantial in psychology, though, you really have to get your master's. And I, I hated school, so I had no interest. Don't in blame it. you. I just <laughs> wanted to learn psychology because I found it super healthy and helpful. And, and, nice. Yeah. Um, but I am now applying that. The shameless plug. I do coaching now. It's been going really well. Hell yeah. Uh, you know, I build like personal profiles for my students that come in come in we do like discord chats and stuff right uh and we just talk a lot like 80 percent of the calls are are talking more than playing really yeah that's really good yeah by by like choice now i'm like i'm not forcing that right
0: it's good to build that development or that comfort zone before you actually engage into a game yeah because you don't want to blindlessly go into a game and wonder i don't want to i don't want people to feel like i don't
2: yeah i don't want people to feel like they're paying me to play friendlies yeah that's not what this is i want to i want there to be real value that they're going to be, like, uh, like, I'm making them a profile, basically, in Word, and sharing it with them. So they're getting all the notes, like, all the things, like. That's super like cool. Like, they can write back comments or questions, and we can go over it on our, ne- our next call, like, whatever the case is.
0: Yeah, we're helping iron sharpens iron. Right. I completely understand that, and I like that. We make diamonds out here, though. Touche.
1: you just gotta dig him up (laughs) that is that is interesting i because when i thought about like Metaphy and whatnot or like just coaching you're just like for me this is just because i've never you know you know used Metaphy at all or whatnot so to me i'm looking at as all right you're just you know a a better a much better player is coaching another a player who
2: was not that good at the game to you know Get start getting good. At why, the game. why? Why? Let me ask you something. Okay. Why is the assumption that they're only coaching players that are bad at the game?
1: No, this was just like my yeah. general um, yeah. perception, you know, of just like Metafy
2: or whatnot. Because again, sure. I've never used that, it. So. I mean, to be fair, that it's probably the target audience and the yeah. marketing around it for sure. Yeah, that's but I'm but not. I think there's a crazy amount of value in good players getting coaching from other good players. Right. Like you actually see like a lot of exponential growth from you just untapping certain things. Like, there are just certain blockers that this player might have that even though they might be better than you technically, there are things that you can provide them that let them soar more than, or more consistently than before.
0: Yeah, I'm an example of, like, just being uh, trained by somebody who taught me how to play a game when I never even touched a a hitbox. Mm -hmm. This man Herb's taught me, like, from the beginning on how to play my character, how to do his suggestions and all this, like a therapy. And, like... Me and him go neck to neck now. At this point, it used to be blindless, like 20 and 0. Yeah. And that's what I'm glad for. Like, I have people to talk to. I have,
2: like, a role model. Yes. Oh, I have a whole thing on this. Go on. Go on. Share with us. This is your episode. All right, dude. All right. So, like, and this is actually, this is going to be a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah, definitely. Actually. So, uh... And I talk about this in some of my lessons. I want to make a YouTube video about this at some point. So maybe if I just explain it well enough now on the riff, I'll be able to cut it up. But uh, basically, this is nothing like established. Like I didn't look this up or anything. And, you know, if there were things that we could do studies on, this could potentially be one that I could maybe prove out. But I basically have like a theory to what talent is. Yeah. Like what makes someone good at something. I don't believe in innate talent or skill or like, Oh, that baby came out dribbling the basketball and now they're going to be in the NBA. Like, I don't think it works quite like that directly. So what does, what could it be? And it's like, I've kind of narrowed it down. This is all just personal theory and everything, but like, it's like there are three main buckets of this. Um, And it's like, there's interest, there's opportunity and there is uh, role models, okay, or a reinforcement. Very important. So the in, like I can and I can kind of explain what kind of a person you you end up being without any one of these things. And I just haven't like through conversations with people, I haven't found like a fourth bucket yet. Like everything we always I mean, they can bring up examples. A, of thing, it box. falls into one of these three buckets like all the time. So basically, like interest is like, dude, you need to like the thing that you want to be good at. Right? Yeah. Like that's like a base level thing what happens if you don't have enough interest in the thing, and I have people that I can cite examples of this happening with, is uh, you will do well in that thing until your first few blockers present themselves. And because you lack interest in the thing, you are going to be way, likely, way more likely to just say F it and drop the thing because the effort isn't worth the value because you're not invested enough in the outcome or in, in the activity. So, an example of this in Smash was in Brawl. Uh, a player that you actually might know, because he got he, he transitioned to, like, Guilty Gear and like other things. I think I know who you're talking about. Do you know someone named Ice Kid? Ice Kid, no. no. No? Okay. So, he, he might be going by a different I think his name is Steven. Like, his first name is Steven. I don't know if he continued using the Ice Kid tag, but that's, that was his tag when he played Brawl, and then he transitioned to other fighting games. When he was playing, when the Brawl came out, he was... Him and another player, Afro Thunder, very good friend of mine at the time, um, you know, was dominating, pretty basically. The first six months of the game, you know, I told you I was playing Kirby at first. Yes. They were dominating first, like, every tournament, for a second, for a second, for a second, for a second. At the same time, Ice Kid was constantly shit-talking the game, constantly hating on the game. Oh, dear God. Constantly comparing it to fighting games, or melee, or, like, it's not, you know, just... Ragging on, Like, he clearly didn't like the game. He played Olimar. Not that that matters, but, like, he played Olimar. He was just abusing the things about Olimar. He didn't love the Olimar character or anything. He just thought it was lame. He wanted money. That was it. Ah. And then a few more people rose up the ranks and started kicking him off the pedestal, where he would now have to start working to regain that title. And within three tournaments, three monthlies, he quit. He disappeared. Dang. Three times of not getting top three, he stopped playing Smash. Wow. So that that's Exhibit A. So like if you if you just don't like the thing, you're just gonna drop it the minute you're challenged, basically. Oh, Ice Kid's a uh, DNF dual player. Hmm. Shout out to Ice Kid. No no hard feelings. It's just facts. Oh no no. This is you know? from one of my videos. Yeah. Cool. Very interesting. Yeah. So then second one is uh is opportunity. This is probably the most controversial one, because this is where I like to bucket the things that are like genetic enhance- not enhancements uh, advantages. Yes. So let's use basketball again as the example, where definitely your height impacts your general skill cap or ease of entry into the game. Yes, compared to you know, someone that's six five versus someone that's five foot. There's a lot of advantages to be had. There are advantages to being smaller and faster and scrappy or whatever, but at the end of the day, it's kinda of like our it's kinda of like our Palatina Incineroar comparison where yeah, yeah is better at maneuvering. But, then yeah, but guy. the point of the game is to get kills. The point yeah. of basketball is to get points. Yes. And yes. So like being taller helps you get points yeah. more often. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's definitely an aspect where genetics will influence your ability or cap. The other side of that spectrum is you were born with a defect where your legs don't work. Like, but you love basketball. You have all this interest <clears throat> in basketball. Or you were born with regular legs, but you had an accident, unfortunately, and now you can no longer. Whether and this happens to a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. It they just get hurt. Something doesn't click right anymore. Um, and they lose the ability to do the thing. Uh, that that's really what comes down to. Is your ability and access to the thing. Genetics is one avenue to mm-hmm. having access to do the thing or do the thing with reasonable advantage over someone else. But it, it is not the sole thing that makes someone good at something. I know a ton of tall people that can't play basketball. Yeah. Like, I'm one of them. Like... <laughs> like it, it is not genetics is not everything. It, it is just one like avenue of this one bucket. Another example of this would not be genetics at all, but imagine sorry for the lesson on this, everyone. Don't worry, hey, you're, you're up but, but but imagine uh you're in high school and you are in um some pool uh swimming Club or whatever, and like you're—that's your—you're—you're really taking that seriously. Like Michael Phelps is your man. Like you're—you're on track to be an Olympian. Like that's your life plan. Yeah. And your family says, "Hey, we're moving to Alaska," and you're like, "That doesn't sound like they have a lot of pools." No. (laughs) So there might be a pool, but it might be like an hour and a half drive away at some indoor pool under some weird scenarios, and you have to drive drive through. Not hell, but like ice water to get to where you need to go. Like yeah. there are hurdles now between yeah. you and the thing, hindering your opportunity to get good at that thing, yes. and your ability to practice that thing. So, what happens to that person is they become what is uh, very, 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 very common in in the world, not America. Uh, you become a professional spectator. My dad is a professional spectator. He was into sports his whole life. He played football in college. And now he watches football every day on his recliner. That is very professional. Yep. And he understands it. You know, yeah. he could probably coach it. To he, he, probably, he was a coach. He was a PE coach. He, did, like, literally taught sports. So Nice, like, nice. So, like, that, that's that avenue. And then the third one is role model. I, it's probably the most evident or self-evident. But, like, if you don't have a role model that is reinforcing and encouraging you and, like, leading you in some aspect in the thing that you're interested in, You are at a crossroads, and this was the one that probably the most teenagers in high school to college have to deal with in life, regardless of the activity, is aligning what they're interested in with what their role model wants them to be interested in, and for 90% of people, their initial role models are their parents, which is where you get the whole. You're going to be a doctor, so you're going to go to college and study to be a doctor. Now, okay, so you basically have to make a choice where you're either going to change your activity to fit your role model. Okay, mom. Okay, dad. I'll go be a doctor. Now you're going to invest interest in achieving that goal and maybe be successful, depending on how genuine your interest is, or you change your activity to, sorry, you change your role model to fit your activity, and that's what I did. Like... My parents were never super into me competing growing up, and I was in high school. They were only rightfully so concerned about school um, and that being the priority and not letting you know Smash get in the way of that. Um, and they weren't big on taking me to events or impressed if I got 17th instead of 25th or wanted to watch a VOD of mine. Like, none of that to this day. No offense to my family. I love them a lot. My dad has not gone to one tournament. Oh, I felt that 100% of the way. I,
0: can, I, <laughs> like, I understand his energy.
2: Yeah, so like, there's a little personal grievance there. But needless to say, if I was going to constantly be trying to impress my parents in my interest, like, I would have dropped Smash like 15 years ago. Like, th- There was no way it would have worked. But like, I basically got really lucky in my first few tournaments that I was competing in in Melee, where this is my anecdote that's going to transition into the thing. I got really lucky where a top player, like top three player of our region in melee at the time, accidentally bit me on the shoulder from behind only because I looked exactly like another top player and this guy hadn't met me yet what? and he thought I was that guy and they were buds and he was just being like a weirdo, like he was 16 years old. He was just being weird and greeting his friend, but it yeah. was me and he like bit my shoulder. And you're just like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, who the like, what? Is this what happens at these things? Like, what's going on? That's a weird impression. And, and he felt so bad and embarrassed that, like, he, like, small talked with me, like, we sat down, we played friendlies, and he actually ended up becoming my sensei. Nice. Like, nice. very quickly, like, took me under his wing and wanted to, like, teach me the game and invite me to his place and, like, like really, and t- he, he was, like, my introduction. His name is Lambchops. He was my introduction to thinking deeper about the psychology, about fighting games, and how to manipulate people's decisions and things like that. So I quickly decided that he was going to be my role model and that impressing him was my path to victory, basically. And so once I had that, I then had my alignment between my interests and my role models, and I clearly had all the opportunity needed to do the thing, I was able to become very successful melee leading into brawl. Huh. And I think if you go and you go to the top 50 PGR players in the world and you survey them on these three topics, most or all of them will score very high in these three areas. Whereas the people under their PGR will waver in one or more of these areas. That's what I would do a study on. Nice. That is impressive. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's my theory of Talent. Talent. I take that. Yeah. And
1: you also said you had something that you also wanted to announce to everyone.
2: Yeah, so I got really lucky and not everyone does. Right? Like there are people that go two two and two three for five years, four years, three years, and they just maybe they'll have a good upswing and get three three two or four two or whatever. But nothing, like, that's really, like, stabilizing them in, like, the higher tier players. And so, like, one big reason for that is, like, this, like, lack of connection between the best players and the rest of the player base. Yeah. And the only way to really break through that is to happen to be good friends with those best players. Yeah. While living close enough with them that they can organized sessions with you, et cetera. Which to me sounds very luck-based. Your region matters, who you appear mm-hmm. here at tournaments matter, your social ineptitude matters, which is like very common. Yes. Uh, in, the, in the gaming community is like, yeah. we are here, a large part of us, because we are unable to connect in other ways with like other normal things or whatever. And like we connect with this one common love of a game.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: So, I want to help change that. I used to do this thing for Brawl, and I did it once or twice for Smash 4, and it was received pretty well, called Tearbreakers. Breakers, uh, if you want to put up the first graphic here. So, Ooh. bear in mind, uh, the date actually is wrong, I have to make an update to that before I post this out on the socials, but it's actually going to be the 22nd, which is very soon, it's going to be in two weeks, is our kickoff day. And let me kind of break down kind of what Tier Breakers is. It's, remember, I said like one of the big issues is that there's a lack of incentivization right now for better players to kind of extend the hand to the general populace and get yes. them better. And Tier Breakers pretty much is trying to change that. Uh, we are not, we, <laughs> me, whatever, Tier Breakers is not by any means trying to replace tournaments. No at all like it literally will coexist and and help tournaments and players flourish so the way it's going to work basically uh we have a couple of graphics here and bear with me as i talk at a very high level i'll have like probably a better video explaining this and some bullets and there's going to be other documents and things coming your way over the next week or so Mm -hmm. but what i want you to imagine is that this is going to be a seasonal thing Just like our standard local power ranking system that we have right now, you go to tournaments and you compete and based on who you beat, who you lose to, you get points and that counts towards your power ranking placement for the region. That's pretty common in most regions. What I kind of want to do here is make it a more team oriented pathway throughout a season. And we're going to be doing that by having a season where on the first day of the season, We are going to draft crews. So everyone that enters tier breakers will be able to be in this initial day on the 22nd to draft crews. The way the drafting is going to work is we are going to do round robin pools that are already kind of seeded. Okay. And then the people that end up being first seeds are going to be the captains those captains are going to take turns drafting the rest of the players by seed. So they're going to take turns all drafting second seeders and then take turns all drafting third seeders. Oh. And, four, and there's going to be about four to five players per team, so four to five seeds on average, depending on how many players we get registered. It just has to you know, work out pretty evenly. Now, once the teams are all formed... I'm going to be picking out very specific weeklies probably once a week for the next two months or so over the course of the next PR season. You're going to go to these weeklies with your teams, and you're going to compete in the regular singles events. Uh However, the difference is at these very specific tier breaker sanctioned events, you're going to be earning points for your teams based on your placements not based on who you beat or anything like that. That's really what the power ranking is going to aim to measure. This yeah. is going to be more of a measurement of who's improving the most over the season. Right. And the way that we're going to be able to measure that is by whoever gets the most points you know, will be, clearly be a good indicator that that team has uh, learned or grown the most over the course of the season. And at the end of the season, we're going to host a final crew battle bracket of all the teams... And we're going to seed that bracket based on your totals that you've earned over that season. So the teams that earned the most points over the season will get like a buy. And then all the other teams will play each other through that bracket. Oh, wow. My, uh, a couple of things about this that make it really, really special is that on the end of the first day when we used to do this, there was like a really awesome feeling that I would always get when we would announce the teams after the drafting was done. Because we used to go to like a Taco Bell. We did this at Flippers. We would go to Taco Bell across the street after we figured out who the captains were. I would take the captains and kick everyone else and restrict everyone else from coming to have like a closed door, nights of the Round Table discussion yeah. of like the, the drafting itself. And that's something that we can do again. And this time we can record it like this and that's content. That's great. Yeah. Um, it's not something I want to be private necessarily, but I don't necessarily want the other players involved in the conversation. Yeah. Gotcha, They're got just you. like, sit down, watch, and go, leave <laughs> <Right. laughs> us um, When we announce the teams, and then you just see them all con- con- uh, congregate around each other, and they start exchanging contact information. Like, what, what this is really getting you is a team of people that care about your improvement because they want their team to get more points than the other teams. Yeah. So let's say we get... And I already have a couple of people like semi confirmed, but let's just say, for example, we had Riku in Tearbreakers. Mm-hmm. He's probably gonna be a first seed captain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So that means by you, a fifth seater or fourth seater or someone that goes 0 oh, 2 or, or, or 1 2, you have a chance of Riku being your captain this season. yeah. And now you have a chance where Riku might be invested in following you around at these weeklies and watching your sets, giving you advice between your sets, reaching out to you between tournaments to see how you're doing or if you want to play or set up. Like They're incentivized to be making sure that you're at least progressing in some capacity faster than the other team's lower level players. Right. That's pretty neat. My ultimate goal that I don't think I'll be able to do this first season unless we get a ridiculous amount of registrants or, like, partners. But in this first season, we're going to be doing cash prize as an initial promise of everyone that enters the pot. The first place team is going to get 60 or 70%. Second place team gets 30 or 40%. And that's going to be this season just as a test run. Mm-hmm. But I want to get to a point where I can guarantee plane tickets for the entire winning team to a major of their choice. I don't think it's that crazy if we think about it being an average of like 250 a plane ticket stipend that I put towards their plane get- ticket to any given major in America. And what that basically would mean is that every season we're guaranteeing a fifth seed player going to a major. And I can't think of a better way to improve than getting flown out to a major. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because I think that's where a lot of people, when they go out to majors, like like you have to think about it. Like a lot of people that play fighting games that go out to their locals, you know, that's a huge conglomerate. But the percentage of people that actually travel out and go to majors, that's a very, very small percentile. So that small percentile... Well, I want to widen that. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: You want to expand it. Right. And, and then the beautiful part, I guess... Uh, to me really is that this is not Smash exclusive and this is not South Florida exclusive um, you know uh, literally I was at the Florida Summit a couple months ago and I got ch- chatting with Tachyon, on shout outs uh, he's a North Florida player he's like top two top three player over there and they told me they approached me and they were like hey by the way I just want you to know like we ran a tear breakers last year like they've oh, used those words to snap. me because they knew what they'd seen what I had done before. And I was like taken aback by that. You know, I was like, wow, like how'd it go? Like did people, people liked it. You know, he was excited about it. He wants to do another one. And I said, well, would you be interested in running one concurrently with South Florida at some point? And the answer was very yes, like obviously. So what That's that dope. lets, that really does open up the possibility for getting those plane tickets because once you have, two regions, yeah. that's double the population of people entering, making it easier so that when you have the teams from South Florida meeting the teams from North Florida to fight off in a finals, yeah. it's easier to pay off the $1,500 of, of plane tickets when it's two regions. What about when it's three regions? Or four regions? You that's could insane. have four, you could have one tier breaker season for all of Florida, where at the end of it, we have the teams of South Florida, Central Florida, North Florida, and West Florida meeting at some major and Orlando, or whatever. Yeah. Where we have that final bracket. Like a crew. It feels like Blue Lock with extra steps if you think about it. It's an incentivized, scalable, educational format.
0: Yeah. This is like a tournament of power arc from Dragon Ball. I'm sorry I had to weave out, but that's like the coolest thing i ever <laughs> in a while. That's,
2: so, like, it it doesn't happen. It doesn't exist that I know it, of, really. It, yeah, angry. I no haven't heard No one's like doing that. it, and I just think it's invaluable for the growth of the scene. Yeah. When, I, when, when, when Sorry, when, when, I, when I did this for Brawl, we were dying because it was the end of Brawl's lifespan. Yeah. Smash 4 was already announced and I was trying to make a play for, well, get ready for Smash 4, guys, kind of thing. Yeah. And we were having 12 to 15-man locals turn into 40-man locals. Holy smokes. That's impressive. Over like three seasons, <laughs> after like two or three seasons. Because it's, it's blatantly more attractive to not just lower level players and this is the important other important part Mm -hmm. it's way more attractive to parents when i was working at flippers i was manning the arcade there and we had smash set up and parents would bring in their kids to go play smash before they went to go watch a movie and depending on how they were playing i can kind of tell if they were casual or not yeah or less than casual you know and so I'd get talking with the parents, and I'd be like, oh, by the way, I'm posting this event, your kid might be interested. Oh, no, 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 we're good, we're good, we're good. Like, they don't want to deal with just throwing their money into a pot for someone else. They're too smart for that. Right? Yeah. Um, but when I explained what Tearbreakers was, well, now they're entering their kid into a program. Yes. Now it's like a karate dojo. Yeah. yeah. Now it's like they get a, 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 a team of people looking out for them, helping them grow, and they just want their kids to have friends at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. And this helps facilitate that. All right, mic drop on that. Uh, please, 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 if you're watching this still and you're here to this point, and you're living South Florida, please come to Flynn's on April twenty-second. I'm going to update that. It's the Saturday before Fighter Fest, one week before Fighter Fest, two weeks from this weekend, and uh, if I'm not mistaken. If it's okay with you, I was going to have Fighter Fest be the first sanctioned event. You don't have to necessarily put it in the title or anything right. necessarily because I don't want to mess with your branding for your, like your main event. But I will be awarding points to the breaker players that enter Fighter Fest Ooh. toward their team. This is going to be a fun impression to see. Even so that will be like the first like, real opportunity for them to see how they've improved over two weeks with their team.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to tear breakers, honestly, because yeah. if you know, as you said, you know, when you try, this isn't limited to Smash, and it's not, not limited to South Florida. So it's not, like, there's an opportunity to grow the scene even more. It's not even
2: limited to offline. Oh, ah. wait, what? <laughs> Think about it. Why not? why not pick certain online events that are happening already and sanction those and then open up an online registration for tear online and now your scope of players goes from 40 people to the whole country. And now instead of me getting Riku as my captain, I love Riku, but at this point he might be a second seed on the team and I might get Spargo As my captain or Riddles or MK Leo, like obviously they would have to want to register, but the scale of it is like very different. It's very, yeah. Yeah. And and so like, I don't think it would be the only op, I don't think it's the optimal format, but I do see value potentially in having offline season, online season, offline season, online season. And then something like that, that can help a expand the the brand, but Mm B you're, every season, whether it's offline or online, you're getting new teams every time you're entering this thing and new captains and new perspectives. That's a very unique way to interact.
1: Oh Yeah, definitely. With- and I also see the potential, for, for me, I, I see the potential growth of growing each of these communities that are, like, hurting for new faces and new talent to, you know, come in because some of these other games, they're, like, completely dying off and the communities that are dying off, like, no shot to them, but, like, the Tekken scene in South Florida is, like, dead.
2: 100%.
1: Because it's, like, if you really want... It's, like, if you really... W- the
2: same 10 people that are godlike every week. Yeah. 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 And it's, like... Yeah, that was the same exact thing that happened in Brawl. Exactly the same. Dude, you came to... Uh, Zero Ping was not the greatest venue, if anyone knows what that is. Nope. Not a clue. No. Really old, our first, like, well, it was what we had. <laughs> and, um, you know you come to this grungy place. It was across the street from the hard rock in like an alley and like your parents drop you off there. It's already not comfortable. My parents didn't want me going there and I was in college. (laughs) Like, like, Oh wow. That speaks uh, volume. Yeah. Anyway. Um, you know, like it, it was just not the most like friendly environment. And then you're entering a bracket and you're you're fighting Esam's ice climbers round one, and you're tripping into them. Like, like it was just like not a conducive new player environment. <laughs> yeah. And the, and I th- I really think one of the only reasons it was even like super successful was because it was led with, get ready for Smash Four. Yeah. But but Ultimate is thriving. Yeah. Yes. And and I want to see what this thing can be like in an already thriving community. Absolutely. And
1: when I said, like, I don't know, like in South Florida, Tekken is like almost practically dead. KMF because, is like, barren. Yeah. It's like the only way you're, you're going to get new, you want more competition to get better at the game, you're going to have to travel. You're going to have to go to CFL, attend Juicy's or whatnot, just to yeah. get experience. Get experience, just to play against other people or
2: whatnot. And then. Well, if, well the d- small difference, though, really good Wi Fi, right? Or not Tekken. I'm thinking it's 5 um, Strive, I'm, I don't know how good the Tekken Wi-Fi is though. Uh, oh, Tekken online is ass. It's oh, really? terrible.
0: Like yeah, it's delayed. Is it rollback or I think it's delayed base netcode. It's
1: like a it's like a mixture of rollback and delayed
0: base. It's it's it's, it's weird, and but like you can. It's not just the U.S., but you can fight international players, and that's how the servers get fried. Wow. Yeah. Like you can just struggle in like your forward one or your forward kick, and you're just like waiting for for it to hit.
1: Yeah, so, like, the online for Tekken is, like, it's not it's it's not good, but I know with Tekken 8, they're going to make a hell of a lot of improvements. Like, please do. I'm
0: waiting for the <laughs> tight cheat system to kick in because there's some people can hack into the game where they have auto-blocking. That's not cool. No, it's not. It's the most unpleasant thing I've seen a lot on Twitter.
1: <laughs> but, it's just, but it's just for, like, for me, um, you know, being a TO and then, of course, you know, coming into the scene, that's what I have noticed is just, like, And that's one of my questions that I always ask myself, like, how can I bring in new blood into the scene? What if I told you I had the answer?
2: uh-huh
1: all right so <laughs> wait, go, wait wait i want to finish my go point it, i want to finish my it, point so that way people, people yeah, can yeah. Under- yep. so that way people can understand on like my perspective yeah. and that's in the fact that for me what i what i use is like the conventions that uh we host some tournaments at like this year we did otaku fest um, oh my gosh yeah we fun. did otaku fest and slowly you know granted that was a successful event. But slowly, we started seeing some new faces coming into the arcade. And I was like, great, this is good. Because I want to bring more new people in. Because the more new people that are coming out to these locals, whether it's Flynn's, whether it's Furia, whether it's eventually Gamers Heaven, the more new people are coming in, the better it is for the scene. Because now, there's new faces coming in. There's new people that want to try their hand. There's more money in the pot. There's more money for the venues to grow. And, of course, there's also that potential opportunity to, you know, get new competition rather than you're facing the same faces each and every week. Because I would love for for every local that we have in South Florida to have, like, 40-man, 50-man brackets. Yes.
2: I would love that. I do hope that at least the events that are tier breaker sanctioned will provide that. Assuming we're able to get 20 to 40 people to actually enter tier breakers. Yeah. It's almost going to guarantee that those 20, 40 people, most of them will end up at every tier breaker sanctioned event. So it, it will help and boost those in that aspect. But the real answer mm-hmm. to your, the conventions are good because yes. there's, a, those are pools of people with that shared interest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what you need is an ongoing lead campaign lead generation system and i don't know if this is going to sound dark but like the best there are the best ones are colleges and high schools education and educational systems are going to be your number one source for new blood and you're not going to get them as easily without something like tear breakers. And that just goes back to the same point that I had before mm-hmm. where I was at flippers poaching the parents to get their kids to register and they were not down until they understood what tear breakers was. And I'm only, I'm not saying this to gloat about tear breakers. Right. It, it makes sense. Yeah. Like as I'm not a parent, but as a parent, like I would want to, again, be signing my kid up for karate not sending my kid to the alley to go fight some kid and practice fighting <laughs> fight like <club. laughs> right like I'd rather yeah. sign him up at the dojo than send him with Timmy running around doing shenanigans on the streets and you know I want to keep him off the streets right yeah so what I'm going to be doing to kind of prove this out is uh you know Lizard King obviously yes. Lizard King is a middle school teacher. Middle school's a little younger than maybe what I want to be aiming for, but hell, if we get five middle schoolers that are interested to join tier breakers and those are the obvious fifth seeds of every team, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool to me. And they get interested, and they start coming out to tournaments, and like they're seeing. Imp- that's so cool to me. They cause an upset. I'm, I'm elated. Like that's yeah beyond anything I could I could hope for. That's a sight to see. So you go to middle school's just. Obviously, he works there, so that's my connection. So, like, they have esports clubs now. And they have job fairs and different things like that that you can go the same way that literal karate jojos will go and set up a booth at a school to give flyers to the parents, sign up your kid for karate, sign up your kid for swimming, sign up all these things. You have to have them get signed up for something like a tear breakers uh, for your venue. Otherwise, you're just asking them to come be pot fillers. Yeah, it's a very different message that you're sending to the parents. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be working with Lizard King and giving him some kind of uh, s- cut-up version of what we talked about here, mm-hmm. um, and and, and some basic like one-page flyers that they can he can give to the kids to give to their parents because you're really selling to their parents, not to the the kids are going to buy into it. Yeah. if they like it, they like it. Because smash. But if they, if they like it, but their parents don't like it, full stop. It doesn't matter.
1: And I can and I can also say that not not with just with Lizard King, but the owner of the, the owner of the arcade Eddie is also a former teacher, and he and I know he has connections to. Um, my my a,
2: dad's a, a former teacher. He retired. Like I.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you, you have like people. Beautiful. You have ne- a I network of people. We don't you, even
2: need it though. Really. You just go to the schools. There are businesses that do this all the time. They have they have people in their offices. I worked at a school for a little bit, like as Mm -hmm. an aftercare leader in college. So like I was in the office a lot and like there's just like people and routes to talk to them, to set up conferences or little meetings or little things. If it's about a program, like something that feels educational, they're gonna be way more open to you pitching or coming in and presenting or having a a booth and a pamphlet to hand out at these uh, school events than if you're just trying to get people to come to your venue. Right. So we can be as proactive as we want to be, just get a short list of 10 high schools near Flynn's, 10 high schools near um, Furia, 10 high schools near Gamers Heaven, and find those local future pros and get them into something like a Tearbreakers so that they're Acclimated now, and they're, they're so many people have this whole like tons of high schoolers. I'm so confident, maybe it's not Smash, tons of them play and watch esports. Yeah, whether it's COD or Apex uh, or yes. Fortnite or Smash or Street Fighter, I would be willing to bet that half of all students play something or watch something on a competitive level besides sports. Yeah, and I, I just feel like there's there just needs to be a better bridge. And right now, there's this misconception. Like, they have to be strong enough to go to the gym. You know what I mean? Like Yep, 100%. They don't realize that you go to the gym to, to get, get strong. strong. Yeah. Uh, you, there's no requirement. Like, like, like good honest gym-goers are excited to see out-of-shape people showing up every day. Yes. Great Smash players and competitive gamers are excited to see new players showing up every day, so please come.
1: Well, you heard it here first, people. (laughs) Yeah,
2: tear breakers coming out.
0: Coming soon. I'm looking forward to see the progress. Even though I'm uncultured in Smash and such, I'm looking forward to just see new players actually getting into a game. That's the more important parts.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I want to prove it out. I want to get good feedback. I want to get any feedback. Please do. I, you know, yeah. I, well, I, used to, psychology, I used to give surveys at the end of every season. What could we be doing better? Tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, Ooh. et cetera. Um, so that, that's always going to be like, good I, I work on software for a living. Uh, I don't, we didn't really get into anything professional there, but that's fine. Worse. But 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 I actually had this conversation the other day with like a client of ours where they were making the assumption that, oh, because they wanted a certain feature to be made, and um, they were like, oh, well, you know, I'm really tired of you software folk just thinking you can sell your product and then that's it, like, your software is done. I'm like, actually I believe the complete opposite. I don't think any software is done. Like, like any good software should just be exponentially trying to, to, to enhance or get better or more yes. optimized or more efficient for their users. Um, and, and so, like, that's not restricted to just software like that's any product any business any anything i'm gonna stop branding i promise no 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 this is your (laughs) no this is your
1: episode the mic is yours like I,
2: i said before we got on that like i have a fear of streaming but the funny thing is that i really feel like once i get into it like it's gonna be a floodgate like this is yeah, because, you know,
1: the attention's on you. Like, we always make our podcast episodes about our guests. We make them about you and whatnot. Well, you know, we ask you the questions and whatnot, and you let us know. Not just myself and my co-host, Waluigi, yeah. but, of course, the viewers as well. So that yeah. way, your you story gets now. told out there. Your message gets out there to the people. So that way, those who are either watching or listening, they get to hear your side of everything. It's not
2: about us. It's just more so about you. I. Heavily appreciate the opportunity to let me spill my guts out. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. i back in
0: and keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we definitely appreciate letting the people know, importantly, what you're up to and what you've been going through. That's an awesome thing about gaming itself. Yeah. Whether it's competitive, casual, like we'd like to know about you and more of what you want to do.
2: Yeah. I would say above like all else, if I could do nothing with my life ability other than. Make tear a normalized part of esports. That would be my like dream come true.
0: Because like beautiful. this is
2: gonna sound like really cheesy. So cheese alert coming soon, coming now. Go on. <laughs> this is gonna sound really cheesy. But go for it's, it. It's, it is it is true. Can't be cheesier in my jokes, but go on. It's gonna be. It's gonna be cheesier than my brawler. Um, when I was in fifth grade. We were, you know, you had to do like daily journal entries and stuff, different topics and prompts and whatnot. And uh, one of them was like, if you could be like anyone famous, like who would it be and why? And it, I, I have the journal entry. I was in fifth grade. I can bring it to you and show it to you in oh, my I fifth grade handwriting that the only thing I wrote down was, <clears throat> I want to be... Uh, a figurehead something like a martin luther king Hmm. not to necessarily that degree but like i want to be involved in helping a community like excel and 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 really flourish beyond their initial degree like i want to have an impact on a community in a similar way that he obviously had on the world that's pretty powerful so for me that would be something like mainstreaming mainstreamizing being in esports to the point that it is a hundred percent equal to sports like like exactly the same viewership from from every perspective
0: Hmm.
2: that's really cool actually
0: that's not cheesy at all. No, that's, <laughs> said, that's, that's not. He
2: said you wanted to learn who Saber is uh, at the beginning of this, and that, that's probably me at a core. I dig that. Yeah, same. Oh, and I want to win a national. That'd be cool.
0: I think we all do, but that's yeah. that, that's <laughs> that is that is fucking cool. <laughs> all
1: right, so before we um, – all right, so our next topic, and we're going to jump on to this one, is um, what are your you-had-to-be-there moments? What are some moments that you've had throughout your – history of just gaming, whether it's in Smash or other games or whatnot, what are some moments that you would like to share with us that, like, yo, you had to be there to experience this?
2: I feel like they're almost always going to be Smash-related. Okay, let's... There's one that's Smash-related, but not Smash-related. Okay. Oh, what's up? Okay. Oh, um, no, 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 I'm just listing it. I'm like, one. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> So, one and this is one of my favorite memories of my life, is we were going to a tournament in Texas, and this was in Brawl, Um, and this was when Megabus was first being a thing. Do you know what Megabus is? No, I do not. Okay, for those at home that... Okay, for everyone. uh, Megabus is like Greyhound on a super budget. Um, You were able... The, the, the catch was, you weren't going to say, oh, I want to go from Miami to oh. Texas, give me my bus ticket. It was, here's a bus ticket from Orlando to Georgia, and then from Georgia to Louisiana. Yes, I remember Louisiana. The, to, I've seen those in the movies. So this was literally our route. We, there wasn't a Miami, there, the, there was not a Miami um, bus avenue. The closest one was Orlando. So we drove to Orlando. Got on a bus there, like five of us from South Florida. Jeez. Met people in Orlando, about five more people that got on the bus with us. Got to Georgia, got about five more people on the same bus route that we were planning. Got to Louisiana, got about five more people. And this Holy is over the course smokes. of about two or three days. Like we're like having a, a week long trip of this. And on the bus from Louisiana to Texas, the final destination, megabuses had. Uh, real plugs, like real outlets on all Mm -hmm. the seats. Yeah. So we had Wii's and miniature screens. (laughs) That's fucking cool. We had about four of these. And so we held tournaments on the way to (laughs) Texas with the, all the best players from Atlantic South. It was like 16 ridiculously leveled players and we did like three brackets on the way. Every now and then that having to get up and shuffle that on the bus. That bus had mates. to be lit. <laughs> the the, the non players <laughs> that were just bus travelers were like watching and keeping up
0: with everything. Cause and, we're just because like
2: you're just vibing to the yeah. game
0: before the even tournament. The yeah, that was, we
2: did so good at that tournament, and I think that was like a huge reason why we had so much practice. Okay, that's freaking cool. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, a personal big win for me, or a couple might be all around brawl as well. Um, there was a player Redacted He got banned recently Last year Or like a couple years ago Oh okay uh, Salem um, He was like a terror Basically in, in Brawl And Smash 4 Especially Like really like Doing really good stuff With like Bayonetta In Smash 4 mm-hmm. um, He's like a top 3 Top 4 Bayo um, But in, in Brawl He was like The world's Best Zero Suit Samus Basically Um, and we there was an uh, international like basically the pinnacle was named Apex, so like it was like the pinnacle of international tournaments at the time. It was the tournament that Japanese players came to, European players came to, and um, he won that international tournament. Like, there were, like, four of those tournaments, but it was the only one that he that, that he won, and the trend was usually a top Meta Knight player won or maybe an Ice Climbers won, like a Japanese Ice Climbers. But he was Suit Samus. Suit Samus was, like, maybe, like, seventh, eighth, ninth best in the game. Like, was oh. a, a bigger gap. Yeah. And like I said, it was less balanced, so even the gap from Meta Knight to ninth was pretty large, to be honest. And uh, he ran through all the world's best Meta damn. Me. damn. Except me. Hot damn. Except me. I was, I think I was like the fifth or something. Like I was like five to eight somewhere like that uh, best Meta in the world. Um, but, I believed I was the best Meta in that matchup because Nick Riddle was Zero Suit Samus and uh, I, I, the two matchups that I have in my core is Pikachu and Zero Suit Samus because of ESAM and Nick Riddle. They were my, like, upbringing, basically, in competitive smash. Oh. Uh, for Brawl, at least. So, like, um, I was, like, really overly confident after he won that international. And I went on Facebook where all the most, you know, shit-talking happened. Oh, yeah. Yep. At, at the time, before 100%. Twitter was more popular. Um, and, and I was, like, I basically called him out. I was kind of rude. I called him out. I was like, man, Salem, I tagged him and everything. I was like, Salem's really lucky he didn't run into me in that bracket. Granted, oh. I'm bad, and that's why he didn't run into me. But if he did, he would not have won Apex. Oh, <laughs> shit. And so there was a lot of discourse around that, and we ended up having a $100 money match or $50 money match totaling $100 uh, at an upcoming major on stream. It was like an exhibition match that they had for us. That's cool. Uh, first to It was a best of seven, so first to five. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, and there were $400 of side bets happening all from two or three South Florida players banking on me, betting against like 10 or 15 other people from around the country. Basically. Oh. Mostly Atlantic North. Oh. Where that's where he was from. Uh, so it was, a along the it was a lot of There line, a lot of pressure. Yeah. And I went down, I was down three or, uh, I was down three-one. I won a game, and then lost another game. So it was four-two, and I ended up winning the set. Like I, spoiler <laughs> alert, but like if you go back to it, it was just a lot of. And then it just got worse and worse and worse and worse for him. Oh my god! It was all. It was. It was good. It was. It was a good time. I have the vod. <laughs> I can link it whenever. But like, it's. It's one of my favorite sets to watch every now and then. Oh, yeah, man. that was pretty cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, and our next topic, what are your pet peeves?
0: Something that like you dislike in the gaming world and such?
1: Anything that bothers you? Are there smash control, related, gaming
2: related? Probably John's. Probably probably excuses. Um, especially uh, if you're playing with someone and you're practicing, and I, I guess it's my ego that cares about this, but like when they can't give credit for the good that you're doing and they rag on things as being like dumb options or that shouldn't work or this shouldn't work, that was a bad play, even though like I'm the one winning or something. Yeah. Like they could be nitpicking something that, I don't know why, maybe it makes them feel better. I don't know. But that that's probably something that gets under my skin a little bit. Is like, just give credit, you know, like where it's due. Like it doesn't matter like really if you think it was deserved or should or should not not should or should not should not be should not be um, in your vocabulary when you're talking about fighting games like there is no should or should oh, not there 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 is only what is there is only what happened and what is in the game yeah so anything else is noise basically. yeah i agree i agree so that's probably one of my biggest ones I, especially at, I, I, it's probably one of the only topics that I'll get loud on about on twitter about is when i see like post-tournament blues or blues yeah. or excuses and and like i see so many tweets about like oh i'm losing to people i shouldn't have lost to i'm like dude check your ego everyone's grinding no, yeah you, the world does not revolve around you and you do yeah. not deserve to win just because you're you personally i'd rather just stay quiet and keep going yeah uh, I, do i ever come to you before a bracket and heavily complain about my seat or who i have to play nope never I don't even think I check the bracket half the time. No. I don't care. Like I'm entering a tournament because I'm trying to win the tournament. And yeah.
0: Regardless of who I go against, I'm gonna yeah. have to play
2: them anyways. Yeah. Like I, it doesn't not matter. The matchups don't matter. The players don't matter. I need to prove that I can win the tournament regardless of any of that. Not that that it's all noise. Yeah. And, and all that noise gets in the way of your improvement. And I think that's another part that bugs me is because it's a self it's a it's a it's a self feeding circle of shit. Yeah. Where like they they. John, and so because they John, they aren't giving credit to the things that are valuable that caused them to lose, and they are stunting their growth. And then they John more. And I think it makes up like 27%, 30% of all players that I see. Like, even in other other communities, I've seen this happen. There's probably more that don't openly do it, but internalize it, and it's still the same problem. Yeah, It's maybe less abrasive to the community, but yeah. you're still stunting your growth. You're still not giving credit where it's due. Right. Oh, that's 100% agreed. I do. I congratulate. I was playing Javi yesterday. I yeah. played Javi like four times a week, by the way. So, like, nothing nice. he did to me was surprising. Yeah. Th- that last kill he got on me that was like disgusting, where he did side B, nair, forward smash, and it just all worked. I was like, yo, that was really good. Like, he hits that to me daily, but he got it when it mattered the most. Like, that was awesome and like i feel good when when <clears throat> people can put the only puzzle piece that would have beaten me right there and they execute on it and they do it like that's a good thing yeah i agree well sad well sad
1: well um any closing remarks um honestly sabrek it has been a great honor and privilege to have you on Likewise. on this episode because I know you you were like you know get me on this podcast because I know you you wanted some stuff that you wanted to say I and I get go- the
2: floodgates open man yes I gotta get out yes of
1: because I remember I think last year you talked about um you was you know in, introducing me to tear breakers or whatnot and I think you were just giving me just like a very small piece of the pie of yeah, it yeah. instead of just like giving me this whole huge thing. For me to consume, I'm just like, uh, what? I but it, I'm glad that, you know, you came on today on this episode and you explained it to everyone. What exactly is Tear Breakers and what, and what is the intention behind it? And I can't
2: wait to see this thing come to fruition. Thank you. Uh, for closing remarks, at least, before, like, I might say anything, like, do you guys, just from how I explained everything, are there, like, any open questions that you just immediately think of or you consider. ready for this shit? Am I ready to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Get, good. Uh, <laughs> Gotta make I, sure. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> like I, I, bur- the, reason I, I, I bur- the reason I haven't done it consistently when I did do it was I burnt out. Cause I put too much on my, myself. To oh yeah. That's yeah. understandable. I'm working on that. And I am trying to reach out to folks that I think will genuinely want to help and be helpful. Yeah. Shout outs to anyone that obviously has, and anyone that is interested in helping do hit me up. But I, most of the work is upfront. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the work is right now is, is doing this, is getting the word out, is doing the graphics like you saw, messing up the date anyway. Like, (laughs) like that's the brunt of the work. Once it's, yeah, that date, once it's actually (laughs) going and it's in flight for me, it's updating an Excel spreadsheet of data, you know, once a week. It's, it's really not that crazy. But it's the thought behind it. I used yeah, to also, that's... I used to also do lectures. Like I, I would not enter it. This time I'm entering it. So I'm gonna have my own team. But I used to not God, enter God. it and just run it to be impartial. But I used to do lectures for these things where I would just have like a topic, and then they would. That's how we'd start each day. I'm not going that far. Understood. And if I do go that far, it's gonna be YouTube content. Got gotcha. you. Got to make sure you get those views. Oh yeah, absolutely. So those are my closing remarks. Uh, follow me on Twitter subscribe to me on youtube uh there will be things coming in the very near future and uh tear breakers, i'm hoping will change esports forever maybe absolutely yes it should even if we're a little bit successful i yeah. think it will change everything
1: oh yeah definitely waluigi any closer remarks
0: uh Siebert, thank you so much for coming i'm glad to have a had this opportunity to talk to you have more psychological breakdowns and having like your three uh, reasons for innate talent like that's actually a cool cool thing to hear about. You don't hear about that much often, brother. No. Just thinking about it still just baffles me. Having the role model, having the ability or the opportunity and even just like having just the skill. Like that's incredible. I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with Tearbreakers and I'm def- you definitely have my support.
2: Thank you appreciate it very much and i appreciate obviously again being able to come on
1: thank you all right y'all with that being said this has been episode 76 of the south florida gamers podcast thank you guys so much for watching and tuning in we will catch y'all on the next one so with that being said y'all have a good day and stay classy peace